Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Tesla Faith. Tesla, I need you to do something that's the greatest, most amazing thing you can do. Tell everybody who you are and why you are here today. All right. So my name is Tesla Faith. I was not always a Tesla Faith. I was actually a Rebecca Peterson. So when I was born, I was named Tesla. I have no idea why my mom picked that name. And I say mom because I don't know my dad. And um, a few hours later after I was born, I was taken away. And I was uh, moved into a bunch of different homes for about three years and where I was adopted. When they adopted me, they decided I needed a name change at the same time. So they gave me the name Rebecca Elizabeth Peterson. At the time, they felt like that was the best thing to do, but I struggled for years trying to find my identity. So fast forward about 28 years old, I changed my name back to Tesla Faith. And <laughs> ever since then, I have felt like I have gotten all of my puzzle pieces. Of course, the missing links, you know, trying to figure out who you are, what you're supposed to be, where you're going in life. I felt like that was one of the most defining moments in who I am to have my name back. I know it's something so small, but when you go through identity, <laughs> identity, uh, lack, identity breaks, when you get your name, something so simple, your name back, you choose that name before you come to earth. And oh my gosh, my life began to change at that point. All my psychic gifts started to open up. My, my life got just so much better. Anyways, so who am I? I am definitely a woman who took her time to figure out who she was. I had to go through quite a few struggles and... Oh, changes, up and downs, and uh, I chose to be positive through all, all of it. So I, I found that the strength comes from choosing to be positive throughout the changes. So I am a woman who has gone and walked a rocky uphill both ways path, <laughs> endured many things, um, that have shaped my character because I chose to be someone who took life for me rather than to me. Okay. So. Now I'll, we'll get a little deep cause you went deep there with us and I appreciate <laughs> yeah, that. I, I can't help it. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> I that. Yeah. I appreciate that. But let's go back to Rebecca real quick. What, okay. When, when did you get your first adversity at being Rebecca? Because you found some, somewhere you had to find out that there was a Tesla so how did that happen? Yeah. Um, I think it happened over the course of once I left home. So when I was about 10, I believe my parents, my adopted family, told me that I was adopted. I do believe that is something that they should have done because I was adopted. I looked different. I act different. I mean, everything about me was so different from them, even though I am a woman, I am a human. I just was different. Um so that would have started it. And I knew, I knew things were off. Um, but it wasn't until I was about 19 and 20 when I first got married that I remembered my name being Tesla. And I started going on that search, trying to figure out who that person was, where was my mother, who was my family. And I ended up getting on Google. <laughs> this is how crazy uh, connected Google is. Okay. I had one piece of information from my adopted mother, and that was an address, I believe. 
And with that address, I found a name. I called them up. And this was a course of months. It wasn't like I just went in there and found it. Okay. And do you want me to stop? I know. No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) Okay. Um, And then I found out that it was a a man living at that house. And I explained the names. Um, It was an Aunt Perry and Aunt Terry and my mother, Suzanne. He said, yes, he remembered them and was able to give me a number. And that number gave me the direction to my Aunt Perry who gave me to my sister, Stephanie, who was my mother's, my actual biological mother's oldest child. So she's about 20, 21 years older than me. Whoa. Something like that. Yeah. So my mom was almost 50 when she had me. I was born in 1990. Anyways, um, when I met them, so many things started to fall in place. I went into the military out of my adoptive family. I was the only one to go into the military. I was the only one to have the psychic gifts. The only one that was rebellious. (laughs) I was rebellious because I wasn't conforming to the things that I was told I had to be. And I found that out as an adult. But anyways, um, I met my sister through the phone. I never actually met her in person. And a couple years later, I met my mother. When I walked in that door to meet my mother, It was another one of those puzzle pieces. I was like, holy hell, this woman accepts me for exactly who I am. Never seen her in 21 years. And she's embracing me, giving me a hug, telling me she loves me. And it was amazing. It was another one of those pieces where Tesla felt right. Like my mom named me this, this needs to happen. So it wasn't until I was 28 though, that I finally made that chance or that change due to some circumstances. But it was a period of, many different changes and many different identity. Like, Oh, I'm missing something. Like, why do I feel called to be named this person person again? Why, why am I feeling empty? You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess if you don't have your name, uh, someone that's had a name change that was taken from them. And it was something that was taken without my consent. And I'm not dogging my adoptive parents, but when changes are made without that person, saying that's what they want you take pieces from them that they struggle to find so um i don't think there was any one defining there were many different moments that led up to all right this just needs to happen i don't really care if i offend you anymore i don't care if you don't like the name this is me and that's also part of my journey is just accepting who i was even if i wasn't loved conditionally because it was always conditional it doesn't oh. matter because I love myself unconditionally. That makes sense. That makes okay. sense. So you became Tesla Faith, <laughs> and you meet your mom, and um, we'll go into a little detail on that because I'm really interested in that. That, that this is this is like a this is it's amazing to me because like you know when you start talking to somebody, you you build a quick conversation in these pre calls that we do, and then you find out so much more. Yeah. Like it's so much more. Like you've got a storybook life. Um, yes. so let me ask you, let's dig a little bit into your mom real quick. If you don't care, is that acceptable? No, that's um, perfectly open. All right. So you met your mother, you yes. all embrace. And what's yes. the story that she tells you? Um, I did not get a full story from my mother. I felt like my mom had been through enough and the medication that she was on did not allow her to go back to those horrendous points in her life. Okay. She told me what she remembered. 
Um, and it was my sister that gave me the story. But again, I felt like my sister, my mother's older daughter, gave me the story um, that I cannot help but feel was somewhat biased. And now that my mother and my father, I did meet my father, we can get into that. Um, they ended up um, passing away in 2013, months apart from each other. So um, I did get to meet my mom right before she died, and that was amazing. But um, I don't feel like I got much of a story. Most of it came from my sister. So if you'd like the story, I can give it to you. Yeah, go ahead. Because <laughs> this is interesting. Okay. I know. Okay. So I'll give you what I've been told and what I intuitively feel um, for my own puzzle pieces. And I say puzzle pieces a lot because we're made up of different chunks of experience, of thoughts, feelings, people, and and changes. So my mother had five children. I was the last of five. I was born March 9th, 1990. I have the newspaper clipping that my sister Stephanie uh, sent me of my mother getting into trouble with the law because she was living in her car. She did not have a home. She did not have a home and she had three children ranging from three years to like five or nine months. She was with a boyfriend. They had left the car, according to the newspaper clipping, and the three-year-old, being a baby, fell asleep, rolled off of the seat, and suffocated the baby. My mother went on trial for murder, along with her boyfriend. I do not know what really would have come from that, being that if an accident happens, it's understandable. I wonder if there was more to the story. Okay. She went on, she went on trial um, and was acquitted, but was also told that she was mentally unstable and that she could not have any more children in the state of California. Somewhere down the line, she met my father, <laughs> fell in love, was supposed to get married, And when she got pregnant, she panicked. She took off for the state of Washington and ended up living with her sister, Aunt Terry. Okay. Terry and Perry. Terry, (laughs) Terry, Terry. Okay. She went to live with Aunt Terry in Washington, which is where I was born. And when my sister, Aunt, or my aunt, her sister, Aunt Perry, yeah, I'm getting confused, <laughs> found out found out that she had had me, decided to go up to the state of Washington, okay, so from Sacramento, California, this is the story, and took me from my mother with only an hour having been with my mother. So she gave birth, expected to keep me, and was thinking that her life was going to be better. She was supposed to marry this man, and her her sister came in and took me. So within the next three years before I got adopted, I was in and out of homes. I don't know if I was in an adoption agency or if I was in foster care. You were I baby? know that I was in yeah, but no one has told me that I was in a system. They just told me that I was moved around and taken care of until I was adopted by the Petersons. And the Petersons were adopting another little girl. So as an adult, I feel that they felt pity and knew my my family, my biological family, and felt that they should adopt me since they were already going through um, whatever, the legal standpoint of all of that. So I was adopted into that family. 
Um, and my mother never was the same again, which I can imagine because I'm a mother to my own two children. So if I lost my child after thinking that my life was finally getting better and I was being blessed and to lose that, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do, but that's the story. Wow, that's powerful. <laughs> I, it is, but apparently my mother never told something along that line. I don't know something about my mom. My dad didn't know I was, uh, alive or that I was around I don't know because when I did meet my father's family they knew that I belonged to their family because I looked like them but they had never heard from me they never heard of me didn't dad didn't know anything about me so somewhere the story is not completely jiving with other pieces of history you know so I've had someone ask me, well, wouldn't you be upset? Aren't you, aren't you mad that you were neglected or rejected? I'm like, <laughs> abandoned? Like, no, I'm really not. I mean, I, I, that has been a theme my entire life. Where do I fit in? Where's family? Who is my family? And I've had to learn to accept myself because, quite frankly, I don't accept myself. I can't expect someone else to accept me. So my family is obviously my children <laughs> and <laughs> people that have come into my life and accepted me for me. I don't have to have blood related family. I don't have to have my adopted family. I don't have to have a boyfriend, a husband. I, I am simply loved and accepted for me regardless of who I am. And I chose to take the positive. And I know for a fact, because I saw where my mother was living and how the, the lifestyle that a lot of them had when I did start getting onto social media and seeing some of it, I would not be where I am today even though some of it was negative and some of it did leave imprints on my subconscious mind that I'm still working through, I would not be the successful, confident, loving healer person, woman that I am today. You know what I mean? Like I I, I choose to just take the positive from it and go, yeah, that happened to me, but you know what? I'm here because of it. And I'm, I love who it is. And the greatest (laughs) thing about this story that you told, like it molded you. Um, parts of this puzzle that you didn't know were parts of the clay that were coming together and you got that clay and it just built you up a little bit more and it did a little bit more with you. Now, let me ask you this, going through all this psychic powers, the intuition, when did that start? Because that's one thing that like, when I talk to people that have this, I call it a higher standard of being, um, you're, you're really mentally focused. You're really strong. You can tell that about you just by talking to you and how you look and how you stay very intimate with the eyes looking and paying attention. A lot of people don't do that. They'll look away. They'll look down or something like that. So that's one thing I want to commend you on there. Um, so when did you get your first intuitive act or feeling? Oh, man. All right. So I'm going to speak my truth, and I do not want anyone to think that I am dogging a religion or a lifestyle. I'm only going to speak as to how I felt and how I perceived and why I am today the person. So I was a little, little girl and I had psychic gifts coming in left and right. (laughs) Hmm. I was seeing things, talking to things. I was waking up in the middle of the night at precise numbers, having certain things happen, dreams, intuition, all sorts of things were happening to me. Um, But I was raised in a Christian home where I was told that I was um, working with the devil or the devil was communicating with me and I was going to go to hell. So over time, I began to suppress that. But 
it was hard for me to suppress it because like I said, I was different. It's really hard to suppress who you are. In fact, it'll cause that depression, that anxiety, that addiction, addictive type personalities, because you're not living the person that you're supposed to be. You're not the creative person, you know? So I think my earliest, I was upstairs. I was homeschooled. So I was upstairs doing a bunch of schoolwork or more like playing, pretending to do schoolwork. (laughs) (laughs) And I heard, I heard the phone ring and I immediately thought to myself, my sister is on the phone. She left glass on the stove and it blew up or whatever cracked and she's bleeding and she's calling mom for help. It was all just like a split second. That information came in just like a thought. And it was all very visual. I saw it all. And then uh, my mom got off the phone, my adoptive mom, and said exactly what I had just thought. And it was one of those things like, whoa, how did I know that? (laughs) Lots of little things. Like I had um, somebody, somebody I never found out who come and I had long hair at one point, um, whisk my hair around and then disappear. (laughs) (laughs) I had other situations where somebody that I was close to she was dying of cancer and I would leave her gifts and my form of gifts were this little tiny flower I dug out of the yard. It was probably a weed, but to me it was the gesture of here's a gift every day. And then I gave her like a carrot, <laughs> just giving her little things to make her smile. Well, anyways, um, because I had done that, I was emotionally connected to her and she looked forward to those gifts with that emotional connection. We are connected to the soul. So when she died, I remember being dead asleep and woke up and stared at my clock. And I remember that to this day, exactly how my room looked. And at 930, I didn't understand. Like, I don't know why I'm awake or why the hell I woke up out of the sleep, but I'm staring at the clock and I'm sure I won't forget this. The next morning, my mom told me, hey, you remember that neighbor lady? She died at 930 last night. What? <laughs> so I was definitely like, whoa, there's no way that I've got all this. And I, I didn't know at the time what was going on. And I was also very strongly pulled towards um anything halloween okay so anytime any type of witches spells the halloween theme like all of that and i didn't understand why because i was not allowed to even look at that stuff let alone think about it you know what i mean another situation was um this is where i think i as an adult now and a developed psychic I understand that it was probably my spirit guide that was talking to me, my guardian angel. His name's Isaac, by the way. He looks a little bit like you. (laughs) Okay, we'll move on. (laughs) Anyways, uh, my mother had a beautiful horse. My sister and my mother were big into horses. Me and dad were more into four wheelers and all that. I grew up in a, on a ranch way out in Oregon. So we had cattle and horses (laughs) and all that. Yeah. So I was the tomboy. My mother got on her horse managed to get down to the gate past the barn and her horse started acting funny and um she was highly upset she was crying and it was a massive animal even their heads are ridiculously heavy barely hold them up so when that horse went sideways and slammed against a tree we knew that it was over because that it wasn't holding itself up anymore and it's dangerous for them to be on their sides anyway so When it slammed against the tree and the vet got there, dad tried really, really hard to get mom to go away. But of course that was her pet. She wasn't leaving. And I remember asking myself because I was 12, 
I remember saying in my head, is this horse going to die? And I contributed it to God or a higher power because I immediately heard a very loud in this ear. <laughs> yes. I was like, what? <laughs> Looking around for who it was. And I was like, it was such a powerful feeling of, whoa, someone just communicated with me. And then sure enough, um, I think the vet gave the horse something to help it, but it had something going on with it and it just passed away. So anyways, those are some of them. Of course, I have a lot more now as an adult, but when I was little, that's kind of what triggered it. And I knew I was different. I mean, my thinking was of an old soul. There were things that I would tell my dad that I look back and like, oh my God, that's what I was telling him. There's no way I knew that in that home. I wasn't allowed to even read that, let alone where that information come from. You know, <laughs> it was in my subconscious mind from a past life. So anyways, um, I, know, I knew I was different from the very beginning. Like, okay, just... now let me ask you this about your skills. Um, intuitive medium. Okay. You want to know what that means? Well, <laughs> I don't want to know what that means. I, I, I know what it means. The audience doesn't know. I'll okay. get to that in just a second. So with, okay. with having these traits, because we're not going to call them, I don't call them skills because I don't want to make it be derogatory towards what you have. These traits that are inside of you. Um, when did you refine them and start honing them as an adult to become this medium that you are today? Okay. So I was about 20 years old when I sat in my son's room on my knees crying like a desperate cry. I was lost. I was scared. I was begging at the time, God, somebody help me. Cause I feel like if I die, I'm going to help. That was the idea that was placed in my mind growing up. It was so scary and so full of fear that I was literally crippling myself with being afraid of what I did next. If I do this, am I going to go to hell? Because at one point in my life growing up, it was literally to the point of you didn't do this. You disobeyed. You're going to hell. That is so crushing to a spirit, to a soul. To have that fear-based pathway is what it's called, correcting you and keeping you in this box when I am a beautiful being with <laughs> goals and, and a purpose that I want to live on a love-based pathway. So I remember thinking to myself, I've got to find out what I call looking for truth, my truth. I started searching, reading Oh man, um, digging. I almost would say that now that I've matured and become the spiritual person I am, probably was harassing anyone that called themselves a witch or psychic <laughs> on Facebook. I was begging for information. I was so hungry for direction and some type of peace. And when you do find your truth, you do find peace because you're okay with that idea, that religion, that spirituality, that way of life that is you and you're like oh I can breathe because now I, I am loved for this wacky pink wall you know what I mean like just the simplicity of who you are you're loved for that there is no reason why you got to follow this or follow that so I about 24 years old started um obsessively digging I guess to where I thought that I had to do this 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 study that buy that book do this practice that to a point of oh my god Tesla doesn't even know who she is right now. She's just doing everything. 
about 24, 25 years old, let's see, 24, yeah, summer of 2014, I got my Reiki one, two and master, uh, Reiki master and started, started doing all of my healings. Um, and at the time I started my little business, I was trying to do my healings, but I had so much farther to go. I had no idea what I was doing, even though I had learned that modality. So about a year later, um, I started getting into high alkalinity foods, you know, carrots and certain nuts and staying away from the toxins of alcohol and sugar, which is not easy. It's but, hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. And I felt like each year I was implementing something that became a way of life. So eliminating fluoride out of my toothpaste, be careful with the, the um, what do you call it, deodorant that you put on and um, so on and so forth. Um, and it became, it became me. Um, 2015, I got a divorce and this is really where my sense of who I am, what I wanted, where I was going, uh, began to really surface and take a toll, I guess. Um, cause they say when you go through divorce, you go through the, the phases of grief and I was definitely losing who I was, didn't know who I was, where I was going. It was hard, but anyways, um, 2007, I had an aviation job because I'm an aviation mechanic. I did that in the Marine Corps and I do that now. I work for an EMS company here in um, Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, 2007, I started my business, Journey to Yahweh. I think about 2005, 2015, Journey to Yahweh divinely hit me. And I don't know why I chose it. At the time, I was like, oh. I really like that name. Let me use that. Well, when I dug deeper on Yahweh, Yahweh is the Hebrew word for God, which means I am. So journey to I am. Yeah. Journey back to the core of who you are. I am love. And I, I, I'm my entire course of teaching anybody anything is just coming back to the point that you are loved. Because if you understand that you are loved unconditionally by the source, there isn't anything that's going to get in your way. You've got a strength and a power and a a, a, a field or a legion if you will of angels and backing that you cannot be cannot be tested but anyways let me get back so about 2007 i started journey to yahweh because i wanted to teach people to come back to their core of the subconscious mind and how they were created and how life here on earth changes those buying and selling of those beliefs getting those limiting beliefs holding you back from who you are what you're supposed to be doing in your life and so on and so forth it's where a lot of the unhappiness and lack of identity and so on um what we believe, what we feel, what we think, all of those things bring into our conscious reality, what we experience every day. I began to do what are called angel detoxes. So I I work very closely with the angel realm. And the detox is like straight healthy fruits and vegetables that are in a juice form. And you detox, like take everything out and start over. (laughs) Oh, wow. For like, I I don't know. It was like seven days or 15 days straight detox. And um, it's hard to do. It is hard to do because you've got to break that, that mind over body controlling what you want to eat and drink and watching movies. Who knows what? Um, And I began to gain a following. People were like, Oh, 
oh, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Uh, what psychic gifts are coming out of that? I'm like, I don't really know. All I know is that I'm following my intuition. They're telling me to do this. I do that. <laughs> and that's the point. Follow your intuition. You cannot go wrong because that's your, that's your little, imagine like a, a red bean coming out of your stomach. Cause that's where your intuition sits there with your right. uh, solar plexus. Just kind of imagine it hooked on a path. When you get off the path, well, then the, the red thought gets a little longer because you got to get back. <laughs> got to get back on your center line. <laughs> so, um, it was 2017, October, 2017. I found a book and this was my defining moment. Okay. What I had a, a spiritual awakening is what it's called. Um, and we, you basically lose, I'm looking for my book. Sorry. My entire <laughs> identity was dropped, completely changed. You don't know who you are. I mean, it's one thing to don't know who you are when you're like going through a divorce, but it's a whole nother thing when you don't know who you are as a human on earth. Everything I had been taught as far as the religion with Christianity, just you sit there and all the little puzzle pieces, again, puzzle pieces, like, how did I know this information? Where did this come from? How, what? So this book is written by Doreen Virtue, 10 messages your angels want you to know. And they teach you about how your mind creates your reality, how there is no, there is no separation from God, creator, universe, source, whatever you want to call it. There is only the illusion of separation that is created by humankind. There is a love-based and a fear-based pathway. You manifest and create off of those thoughts and feelings. Um, what happens when you die? Um, and know what your point is here on earth i mean you're you've got a purpose every single person has a passion that passion is your purpose there's no reason why you wouldn't love something and then oh no go work in the mines instead no you're supposed to live that passion you are supposed to <laughs> be successful and happy based on what you're supposed to be doing and i tell people you cannot fail at being who you are because you've been given everything that you need to be that person if you want to be a vet and you're obsessed with animals and you know but your parents want you to rather be a lawyer because that's all they've done Sorry, honey. Now's the time to break that. You become that vet because I guarantee you will be massively successful. Not on top of that, but happy, happy. You have to be happy. You have to make choices to make yourself happy in order to be flourishing. You know what I mean? Okay. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I got all my second gifts. They're coming in. So I had my spiritual awakening in October, 2000. What was that? 17. And trust me, I had some issues and people did not understand why I was feeling the way I was. And those of you who have gone through a spiritual awakening understand the identity crisis. Why am I even alive at this point? Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be breathing right now. Do I eat? <laughs> You're just lost. <laughs> so um, it was, I, I started meeting uh, with a bunch of people in that town and, um, just working with people communicating and they understood it was great to have that, um, that help or that support January, when I was doing a reading and a healing and energy healing on a woman, I had compartments in my mind. Don't laugh. I genuinely had little bubbles in my mind that I would separate and I would use for readings, healings and whatnot. And I would always work with Archangel Raphael and Archangel Mikael, Michael. And uh, one's the protector, one's the healer. They would come in the room and they would do their thing with me. And I remember being psychically, so clairvoyance works with the third eye. And I was projecting myself into this room. I laid this lady down and I can see energies. So based on what I have attuned myself to see, the energy that came forward She's got a beautiful, every person does have this beautiful, transparent, pearlescent, beautiful 
energy and then pops up the chakras. And depending on how they look, the work needs to be done on a balance. And then on the black splotches, that's something that has to be removed. Whole another story. The, <laughs> uh, while I was working on this lady, pulling in energy and watching it flow and then working on her um, psychically, I wasn't physically touching her. All of a sudden, this woman with like this short crown of whitish curly hair, like older ladies have, She immediately looks at me and she's very defined. She was looking at me with this face of like, don't you dare hurt my daughter. And I felt that. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) And I had never seen a spirit or anything like that in my mind before. So I was totally thrown. And I popped back up out of meditation and just stared at my wall going, what did I just see? And I began to understand that I was a medium, a psychic medium. So I was able to see um spirits angels and whatnot and oh my goodness what a what a uh shock really so down to it there's energy healer there's psychic gifts and then there's also psychic medium or intuitive medium so for me intuitive basically the same thing your psychic gifts work off of your intuition your uh intuitive medium i consider myself um someone who is able to feel see sense hear and work with spirit so all of those psychic gifts together, it is a, uh, I don't know. I don't even know the right word to explain it. It, it is a lot going on. When it's I a conglomerate. Everything. Yeah, that's your conglomerate, basically. One thing I wanted yeah. to touch on, and, and it was something that we don't talk a lot about in society, but you brought it up. You brought up the thought of how religion, when we're young, it's an institution of thought. It's almost about like a prison. And the only reason I wanted to bring it back up is because when we were young, all of us, I mean, Christians or whatever you were or whatever you are, Muslim, whatever, we were we were all hard pressed with these ideas, this ideology that you have to conform. And then once you conform, you have to confine yourself. And I wanted to tell you, I appreciate you for expressing that in this in this interview and you did it in such a great way. Like you didn't just sit out here and just go bash Jesus or whatever, whatever you just said, the actual part that we all forget about the cult part of religions, the human intuition that came from the people that made these rules, how they pressed it on you and you broke those chains. I really appreciate that. And how tasteful you were with that. Um, that goes a long ways with people because you didn't like press the issue in a derogatory way. So I want to tell you, thank you on that one. Now, your venture, Journey to Yahweh. I, I pronounced it wrong. Yahweh. Yahweh, sorry. Yahweh. All right. <laughs> so, you, so you got this concept and you build a business. Yes. You, you're, you're nurturing it. It's your third child, basically. Correct? Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I got two. <laughs> yeah, so this is your third child. So you're nurturing this and you're getting out here in the world. Where can people find this information if they want to find out more about this? Um, so there's a few different avenues. I'm most active on Instagram. So with Instagram, it is journey dot to T O dot Yahweh. My website is obviously www.journey to Yahweh, no dashes, no dots dot com. Within my website, you will find the descriptive meaning as to why. I even started it pretty much everything I already said, my goal, who I am, what I plan on doing, um, 
and what I can do to help each individual person. Because although we are human and spiritual and have souls and past, each one of us have different limiting beliefs holding us back from our true self, our true I am's. I am loved, I'm confident, I'm happy, so on and so forth. And a lot of what I deal with mm, in the few years that I've been doing this, I am enough, I am loved, I am worthy seem to be the most prominent um, belief systems that are negative. So instead of I am enough, it's always um, I lack or I am enough, no. So their, their mind does not understand that I am enough. So leaning forward with the subconscious mind, they're actually I am enough, no. And they don't feel like they're enough. And then we get into the reasons of why. And then we get down to, oh, I know I was, I was five years old and my dad told me I was a failure. So I'd never amount to anything. But anyways, that's a whole nother story. Um, and then I also have a Facebook, but I don't do a lot on there. It is connected to my Instagram and it does go to that. But I, I recently started over because I felt I had a really stagnant energy. It just kind of because I don't spend a lot of time on there, I felt like it just kind of died down. So I started over. But like I said, Instagram is where I do most of my um, communicating. And then uh, I have a YouTube Think Align Manifest where I put my affirmational videos out and I do my subconscious mind work. And thank you. Thank you. That's, that's one of my favorite parts of the show. I call it the shameless plug. But something else happened along the way. You're out here and, and, and what happens to people? And this is something that I always love to, to tell people about themselves. You get out here and you become a voice, right? Well, once you become a voice, you hear an echo. That's the voice coming back to you. When the voice comes back to you, it puts an energy inside you. And usually the energy stops at your hands. In your case, it stopped at your hands. It's, you took a hand, you took a pen, you went to a computer, you started typing. Once you started typing, typing turns into self-help, self-care. Then you know what happens yeah. after that. It becomes a book. So please yeah. tell us about your book. Oh, it's like, I didn't think you remembered. <laughs> but think okay, about the way I just so said it. Every- if, you, if you go over what I said, how it all takes place. Yeah. yeah, no, I like that. So when I was five years old, um, I've always been obsessed with books. I could eat a dang novel in a day at like 14. I was obsessed with reading. It was like my escape. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, I was five years old and I didn't even know that what I was doing was manifesting. And I, I don't know if I have that anymore. I think my, my adoptive parents probably do, but in my little hope chest, I wrote this book. I took one of those black, um, you ever seen, I, I don't know the name of it. Journal notepad. The one that looks like, the look, are you talking about the one that looks like cow pattern? Kind of, kind of. Yeah. It's, yes. Only bigger. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> way bigger okay so <laughs> it was black and white yeah um and I was five years old and I wrote down my uh title and I wrote down my ending <laughs> uh, with my name and who I was at five years old I mean I don't know what I said but um that was the start of my manifesting of writing a book so I was about 2017 when I started realizing the affirmations were a part of my um purpose teaching people the affirmations. And if you look on my Instagram, I have a lot of them and I promise you the power behind them. I've watched my, my life change, um, in a matter of days. Um, and it'll be based on your faith and your belief system and, and the, the, how many blocks or onion layers you have at how quickly these affirmations work. But, um, I realized that that was something that I wanted to do. So I started, uh, pulling affirmations for each chakra and I wanted to create a children's book. 
But the more I produced and edited and got the um, drawings and colors and words and everything put together, I realized that this book was not just children based, even though it's very simple. and It's only about two pages per chakra. It is a basic guideline for every human on this earth to understand what the root chakra is, the color of it, the placement and the affirmation to use to settle that chakras in balance whether it's overactive or underactive there's so many different um ways you can go with that um i put this book together dedicating it to my children and making it um something very special and dear and realized that the impact it will have on children as a parent to read that child that book every single day even if just to teach them they retain so much this is why the molding and the impressing of the um beliefs and ideologies and way of life and this is how we do it this is our culture all of that makes a huge impression on a person as they're older then they begin to break that so i put together seven chakras because that's what we have the seven main the seven ones that everyone really talks about um and go into depth with the affirmations colors locations male female just the different silhouettes and um, combining all different um, aspects of teaching you really one thing and then it teaches you why i have the colors the placement the shapes and everything it all is a method to the madness the marine corps they used to say that well there's a method to our madness like you're just making me crazy so (laughs) there's a point (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's a point in that book why everything is very specifically put and you understand that you are your creator. Everything is energy and your intent is everything. So you intend to heal. You say, I'm going to balance this out. You're going to be able to do that with that affirmation. If you want to visualize that color and use that as a meditation, there's a mandala on the other side of the, the page. All of it comes together to help a person just find peace, balance um, and healing. Um, where, where's this book located at? Where can they get it? Oh man. So I was selling it for a while. Um, and I did not feel like it was reaching the full potential that my soul wanted it to have. So if they go to my website, I actually give it away for free. I just, I just want people to have it (laughs) it in the ebook form or do they get a signed, signed physical copy? Well, I got originally when I first got them produced, I got 12 and I was so excited and I did sign all those and I put the dates and everything. So there's originals out there. There's probably like nine of them. because I kept three that have the original dates and whatnot, but no, it is e-form now because I don't have that publishing company. I believe eventually I will have another publishing company because book two will be coming out with more in depth of how to use your mind to create and whatnot. But anyways, right now it's just a gift and I'm, I feel so much better about that. Okay. I appreciate so. that. Now into the author circle. That's something that, uh, that's a series that I do. I got to ask you a few author questions when you were doing okay. this, obviously this was partial self-care for yourself, right? Yes. To a certain degree. So you get the self-care you need. And then did you get any self-healing from this yourself? Oh yeah. I mean, there's no way that I would be teaching this if I hadn't experienced the power and impact that this makes. So the defining moment that really set me down that path of realizing that I had to impact other people and it made me happy um, was when I was going through my divorce in 2015. I went to see a healer. Um, Sometimes the healer has trouble healing themselves. So they go to someone else. And I went to a Reiki practitioner. And um, when I was leaving, I was very distraught. Of course, I was going through a divorce, sad, negative everything was falling apart. (laughs) And, um, 
as I was walking away, I was not one to um, ever hear, I love you, you are loved and all of that growing up. That was real kept to your heart um, and not given. It was something that was earned. And when I walked away from her, she opened her screen door and I remember her leaning out. She yelled very loudly, but not obnoxiously. And she said, you are loved. And I remember stopping and turning around because I was kind of sideways from leaving her house. And I looked at her and she started to say something else. And I just remember thinking like, why is she saying that? Like, this is really weird. Like, what did I do to earn this? I just paid you for a session. Why are you telling me I'm loved? What did I do to earn it? And she finished whatever she was saying. I was walking away and she said it one more time. You are loved. I feel like that moment set me on a path of what is this? <laughs> what is this feeling? Why did she say that to me? And um, as I began to dig the whole, you are loved. You're loved Tesla for the fact that you are doing this and going there and you're impacting these lives and you're different from these people that raised you. That's okay. You're still loved. You're different and you're teaching something they don't agree with. It's okay. You're still loved. Um, it impacted me in more ways than I knew I needed. And it still does. I have two children who learn this from me, yet they're old souls and they teach me. So this <laughs> entire, this entire life has been a learning curve and to have these beautiful children in my life for me to teach them, I'm learning from them myself. So this entire journey, of course I teach, but I tell people I cannot be the healer that I am cannot be the coach, the guide, whatever you want to say, without first experiencing and having overcome these heartaches and these troubles and have the empathy to understand what you're going through. I cannot be somebody, oh yeah, I can help you. Let me take your money and run. No, I have to actually experience what you're telling me and to know it changed me and have my own story for you to actually have that trust and understanding that I know what I'm talking about. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. I mean, that, that's your beat. <laughs> that really does answer my question. Now, now on your website, because we got to dig into that a little bit. Because um, okay. you did the chakras, and, and, and everybody knows, uh, and we don't always talk about this. Like, I give, I call them uh, filler questions or sample questions that I give to um, my guests. And we go over certain things. In certain ways, I'll, I'll put them in. In certain ways, I'll omit quite a few questions. But yeah. one thing. You offer some services that are on your website. Yes. Could you tell us the name of these services and explain to us each one of these services? Yeah, uh, to the best of my ability. Because, Would you like uh, me to give you the names of the ones that, oh, I, that okay. I like to? Yes, my memory, my memory's kind of a little slow. All right, and everybody, I cheat here. I keep an iPad beside me, <laughs> so I, I have all my notes. All right, um, removing limited beliefs. Angel Oracle card reading. I'm really interested in yes. that one. And energy healing is self-explanatory because you explained energy healing in your story. So we know what energy yeah. healing. We know what you're going to do with that. Okay. But, but could you tell me first about the Angel Oracle card reading? I need to know about Okay. That. Of course. So as I said, I work with angels. I work very closely with angels. In fact, um, ever since I started working with them, that is another thing that changed my life. It is known 
it is a known fact for those that actually start to work with angels, how uh, much of an impact and a change they make on your life. So just like someone who put their faith in Jesus or their faith in um, Allah, Muhammad, Buddha, whoever it is that they believe, they believe that this deity or this ascended master or God is in some form controlling. And if they ask for it, they will receive it. So when I work with angels, it's almost the same way. Um, Although everyone has an angel, everyone has one to three guardian angels, and then up the tiers, there's like seven tiers, the archangels I also work with, but they're the ones that oversee the guardian angels. Anyways, when I read the book, 10 Messages Your Angels Want You to Know by Doreen Virtue, she also has a set of oracle cards, you might know, trying to find them right now, um, that she gave, uh, that she put out. And ever since I started reading the messages that come through these oracle cards, they are a little bit different than tarot. Although you, if you know tarot, um, somewhat like that, you, you shuffle the cards and you ask for a reading to come through. And what I do is I take your picture, I put it up on a table in my mind, and I psychically ask for um, your guardian angels and spirit guides to come forward. And there's a female, there's actually a female coming forward shorter black hair. Anyways, she'll come forward. And when I deck out the cards, she will give you a message through those cards. It is always accurate based on me being able to understand my impressions coming through psychic or intuitive gifts. So what I see, feel, hear, sense, energies, um, and that message will guide you rather than tell you your past or the things that are going on. They, they give you a loving guided reading. Um, telling you what's going to happen and um, how you can best walk into that and hey maybe ask this angel for help so the only way that you can get help from the angels because you have a free will contract imagine yourself in them in chains behind you waiting there or watching you struggle no just just ask for help (laughs) you Mm -hmm. have to whether you want to speak it write it think it scream it dream it. It doesn't matter as long as you acknowledge that they are there. And I wonder if there's many people that will be listening to this saying, ah, okay. Hey, I'm just going to test this out. Hey, if you're there, do this for me. Oh, you just opened the floodgates because they're going to show you that they do exist and that they are there because they want to impact your life in a positive way. They want to bring you happiness, money, food, support, safety, and a love, uh, whether it's a spouse or a relationship that you want everything there's an angel for everything it is amazing so those oracle cards are basically messages that you aren't listening to through your own intuition and they're going yo fine we got to use this lady she'll give you the dang message and maybe now you'll listen (laughs) (laughs) and it's always in a loving way it's not okay anything negative depressing because they, they only want you to be positive you know they don't want to leave you feeling empty they want you excited about the next six months you know (laughs) that's understandable now we're removing limited behavior you've briefly touched on it in almost every facet of what you've been talking about yes but the limiting behavior enough no you said that earlier and i picked that up so is that part of the right is that part of the narrative oh yes Uh, 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 wait is it a part of the angel oracle card narrative or is it it the removing no the removing limited uh beliefs Yes. Okay. So removing limiting beliefs, they are based on your subconscious mind. If you tell yourself something over and over and over, you think it over and over and over, it becomes a belief. So let's go back to, um, 
uh, I'm worthless. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. Think about that. It starts to bring you down, right? Yeah, a little depressing. Yeah, a little depressing. That's why I don't like to say it very many times. Cancel clear. Anyway, so cancel clear. We'll take that thought and change it. But uh, so I am worthless. Become something that you hear enough, that you think enough, especially as a child, the molding points, the most impressionable times, or in a bad relationship, you're a failure. No one's going to love you. You start to take on those beliefs and they become a form of you. They become who you are. So those limiting beliefs, if you believe that you are not worthy of love, how in the world do you think that you're going to receive that love in another form or even give it to yourself? If you do not believe that you are successful or can be successful, how do you expect to find success? Those limiting beliefs bring into your conscious reality what you believe. So they come in every form. There's love. There's worthlessness. There's a lack of respect. There's um, failure of some type. Your conscious reality will always tell you what you really truly believe in your subconscious mind. So these limiting beliefs, they are bought and sold ideas or beliefs that you have picked up either from childhood or church or a a religious sector, a spiritual sector, um, schools, um society basically tv society yes because that's where the programming is done i mean if you think about it the programming through your tv your books your tv shows and just just watching this is me coming with my beliefs here just watching the pandemic with coronavirus one of the things that they said many many times i got irritated about myself for picking up was this is the new normal They said that so many times that it became something that I began to believe this is the new normal and just accepted it. I'm like, what in the world? See how it's happening? They say it enough times across enough outlets that you pick up. It becomes a receptive belief. So you believe it's a new normal. It's fine. Move on. And from receptive belief, it becomes reality. Correct. Well, I'm... uh, it is the reality you're accepting. Okay. So your conscious reality is what you believe to be your reality. That's why there is no such thing as normal. So your limiting beliefs, when we begin to pull those layers back to hold you back from your happiness and your success and your love and the things that you want, you may think, oh my gosh, I can't wait to be successful. But all I'm bringing into my life is constant failure and rejection from schools and my dad saying this, my mom yelling at me over this failure. That's because you don't believe that you can be successful. Consciously, it's different from your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind is a hard drive to your computer. What your hard drive has your computer's going to play out. So your subconscious mind has to be programmed with the belief of I am successful. And then we get to the bottom as to why you even have that belief. And that's where the limiting beliefs come in. And that's about one and a half to two hours per session. Cause it gets exhausting. There's a lot of muscle testing, a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of communication with me through theta healing and creator and so on and so forth. So, whew, um, <laughs> that one has to be for somebody who is ready to make a change. It doesn't just go, oh, yeah, let me try this out because it will get very deep. There is no privacy. I am an energy healer. I'm a psychic. There are things that I will see, feel, and hear that you're probably, I didn't really ask you to do that. Honey, you signed up for this reading. 
you signed up for this healing, you need to understand the impact. It will change your life. You will be happier. You will see changes. You will become more aware. Are you ready for that? Don't step into that space or that spotlight if you're not ready to uncover that darkness. But once you pull the darkness, those onion layers start to fall away and you're like, oh my God, I didn't know I could be this happy. Oh my God. Let me just tell you from working with my own self, I didn't realize that I could have the life I do, the manifesting that I can do, the angels that I work with, the beliefs I've changed, the life that I have is all because I believed I could and I found out how. (laughs) (laughs) And you apply it now. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Now let me ask you this. Um, You have a lot going. You you have the book that you are, you've already published. You've got a second book that you announced on here. Yes. Um, So that's part of your future. What are your next endeavors? Because here's the thing Um, out of this, people are going to know who Tesla faith is now. Um, They knew you before on other ventures that you've been on, but you're on West Virginia and commonplace. So they're definitely going to, you're going to hear from some people, excuse me. So what are your next endeavors outside of this? Because most people, you have the YouTube channel, so I know that you continuously do things with that. But what's the next yes. thing pushing forward for you um, beyond your book? Um, so right now, my goal is to manifest coaching with people. I believe that the um, program that I have, the Journey to I Am, I named it Journey to I Am. I mean, the whole point of it is to take you back to the core of who you originally were before the earth got a hold of you and um, teach these people the basics, the simple basics of meditation, um, energy. What is energy? Not just energy healing, but what is energy? Um, the chakras, how to use the subconscious mind, who are the angels, what the manifest, um, your auras and everything. And then we take another course or another module that goes into depth and i will teach you how to meditate i'll teach you why it's important i'll teach you the right way i'll tell you that what you find on the internet trust me i spent years trying to figure out what was this and what was that i put it all in one box where you no longer feel crazy or you're lost or um, missing a piece of information it is all right there and then we move on down the line teach you in depth um, the subconscious mind, how the affirmations work, brain waves. I mean, that's a big one. Binaural beats and osochronic tones, the angels, the different levels, and how what archangel I work with and which one you can use. Uh, oh man, is in depth. Uh, and then I teach theta healing because my goal as a healer is to not wrap up or rack up a whole bunch of people. What I want is to teach you <laughs> how to heal how to meditate, how to live the beautiful life that you deserve, how to um, pull the limiting beliefs, how um, to manifest, how to connect to your spirit guides, your angels. Uh, And then I want you to go teach someone else. I don't want you to come back to me over and over, not because I don't love you or I don't support you. It's because the goal is, this is your human right. This is your God-given right. This is your soul's right to learn how to heal and to become the healer yourself. You are your best healer. You know your thoughts. You know your feelings. You know how you really think (laughs) and speak. you got to be honest with yourself. That's another thing. In order to take this course, you have to be ready, willing, and open up the deep, dark parts of you that you probably don't even want to be honest about yourself. And I can say is, I am a judgmental person. (laughs) Therefore, it's because I judge myself. Why? 
because I've always been told I would not be good enough, that I wouldn't amount to anything, that I wasn't worthy of that. I wouldn't have this because you left that. You don't get that. You're going to hell. So many things that always made me feel less than or a lack of. Hence why I had to teach myself. One of the things I had to be honest with was I'm a judgmental person because I judge myself. It all starts with you. Your outward projections of saying, I don't like you. I don't like that. Or you're disgusting or, you know, you're mean. It's probably because you're saying those things about yourself. So come ready to be honest and open about who you are. Otherwise this ain't working. We can't have, (laughs) we can't have surface. This is deep. Just like this entire talk has been deep. It is uh, my personality to go deep. I I cannot surface talk. I can't (laughs) do, hey, did you see the bird today? No, I got to get deep. I got to talk. I got to get it out. I got to communicate. So that's how I am with my healing sessions and in the coaching programs. There's continuous conversation and connection to me should they choose to do the coaching program because I don't want to give you this whole program and then goodbye No, I have to see you through it. I have to make sure you understand what you're dealing with, who you are. And then I want to watch you transform. And there's also um, a one-on-one healing session that I do. So you kind of understand what you're doing. Therefore, when you're journaling, you're like, oh, she told me how to do this and how to do that. Now I can do it myself. And honestly, like I said, my goal is to teach you so you can teach someone else. And and I I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't impact the world by myself. I got to teach you. I need you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's understandable. And, and I appreciate that about you. So um, at a point in the show, um, I do this um, portion. Um, growing up, I watched this TV show. It was called 2020. It's a news magazine. It had Diane Sawyer on there and it had John Stossel. John Stossel was a comedian. We don't have to worry about the comedic portions because we've had highs and lows in this episode already. And then there was yeah. Barbara, there was Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters, she asked the challenging questions. Diane Sawyer would do an interview with someone that was breathtaking and stuff. But Barbara Walters at 1040 p.m. on a Friday night, and this is me. um, There's not much difference between us. I was born in 1985, so five years different. So, like, when I was five drinking on my Mountain Dew or whatever I was doing at that time, um, (laughs) At 1040, before my mom knew that I had 2021, Barbara Walters would ask these guests something. And sometimes it would be something that would put me to sleep or it would be something that I would stay up and challenge in my mind. So your questions will go in order of this. They'll go from Diane Sawyer level to Barbara Walters level. Okay. All right. The first question, what was your first failure in this venture that you've been on? And when I say venture, I'm not talking about the adventure because your adventure is the highs and lows, but everyone has a great story, but everybody has a, a, a point where that climax or that rising action falls. Mm-hmm. When was the first time during all this that you had to pick yourself up? Oh my gosh. <sighs> Take a moment and think about it, and I'll and I'll, and I'll tell you. Um, one thing that I noticed in life, like with my journey with this podcast, for instance, I had to challenge myself to really think outside the box. I had to decide if I was going to be a podcaster or, or a talk show host. In the end, I decided that I would be a talk show host because I can get more 
I can get more out of that. I can ask the engaging questions and I can get the better engagements back from my, my guests and the audience. If I took on that ro- role of a talk show host, not a talk show host in the sense of Jerry Springer or anything like that, but like, like a Larry King type deal. Someone that asks yeah. you things that really, you know, wrap around your mind and um, the uncomfortable questions, because everybody always wants to tell a successful story and everybody wants to put a small bit in there, but nobody wants to put their pitfall pitfall in there. Everyone has a pitfall. Everyone has a down moment. Um, I had mine in 2019 with the loss of a significant other. So I know, you know, that, you know, that when I fell that time, it wasn't necessarily my pitfall, but it was something that slowed me down, you know? Yeah. So, so, so what happened to you? What was your first? Um, my first, I, I, I'm going to do, I'm going to speak on the one that came to mind when you asked the question, because I, I'm divinely guided and I feel like that one came to me for a reason. Um, I had two marriages. So my second husband, I was married um, in 2017 before mm-hmm. he left for deployment. He he was someone I felt I deserved. <laughs> so these limiting beliefs were attracting to me the person I believed I deserved. And it wasn't till he got back from deployment and I found some things um, that just destroyed the marriage that I ended up having to leave. The failure or the upset turned into a triumph for me because I married someone that I intuitively knew I shouldn't have. This was around the time that I had my spiritual awakening, 2017. And I knew they were telling me, do not do this. If you do, this is going to be rough. And I thought, oh, no, no, I love this man. I'm going to get married. Even though there's red flags everywhere. <laughs> like six flags, oh. <laughs> just like six flags. <laughs> Give me another one. Let's just run. So I think the biggest part of that failure or the, the awakening moment where I was like, oh, this person came into my life for this reason was I didn't listen to my intuition. I ignored the signs. I found out things that broke me. Um, just took me a long time to get over. But this, this situation taught me to trust my intuition, taught me to not trust everyone so quickly, so strongly, taught me that I could heal myself and my body. This is where I started digging into theta healing. I went into a theta course around that time that I was getting a divorce from him um, because I was very lost, very broken again. Um, And I learned how to heal my physical body. There were things that happened um, that were so many lies. My physical body took abuse. And I believe that Without this person, without this marriage, this divorce, and these lessons I had to go through, I would not be here today empathizing with the people that I do. So I think um, the hardest point was having to not listen to my intuition, walk off the path I knew I should have been on, which was don't get anywhere near him, go through what I did and overcome it. Um, All of that pain, the what do they call it? A cognitive disorder or something where I believed one thing so strongly. And when it wasn't true, my brain just wasn't understanding how it wasn't true. 
you know? You made it into your own human nature, basically. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, there was a lot of healing mentally, emotionally um, from the abuse. And then the physical side of it, um, I had to teach my body how to heal because belief systems are attached to physical ailments. So once I understood that I pull this limiting belief, my physical body will heal. The physical body is normally the first indication that people go, oh, I'm sick not the emotional and mental or the spiritual side of it. So I learned so much from it. And I, I don't know if I really want to say failure, but I definitely learned to listen to my intuition. Well the, <laughs> well, the thing with a failure is like this. A failure usually has a lesson to it. Oh, that's yes, why we, that's why, that's why we don't take it in a negative way. Never, ever take it that way. Cause I learned a long time ago that if you don't have failures, you don't have successes and those successes were breeded from failure. So that's something that's really tight that, that you always have to hold on to now. Um, in this story that you just told here, you gave an example of something that a lot of people can't do. People go around in life, right? And people love and love and love. Right. And obviously this was your second trial of love. The you, same mistake, you, yes. Well, well, here's the thing. You were loving, right, with ING, yes. right? But yes. you weren't loved, L-O-V-E-D. And you yes. learned that, and you've grown from that now. So my next question goes into this. The different tenses of love, right? Love, loving, loved, right? All yes. have set meanings. What do those three meaning? What do those three phases of love mean to you? Love, loving, loved. Okay, so loved, I guess I'll start there, is something I've always searched for. I had to learn to teach myself that I had to love myself. And I'm loving myself when I say no and I set boundaries. Now, love is something I've always given 100% unconditionally, even at the wrong times. Okay, remember the six flags. I give it. That's because I've always wanted it. When I broke up or rather ended this marriage, I went through a long course of learning to love, love myself, learn to love myself and loving, learning to just put those boundaries up and those, uh, not walls. I didn't create walls, boundaries. Walls separate you from all that you deserve based on the fact that you would rather take the negative and hold on to it instead of learning the positive and let go. So setting those boundaries, you're loving yourself. And I learned to love myself. And because of that, I guess I've learned that I am loved. <laughs> right. So you see, it makes sense there. And, and, and the thing that ties along with this is uh, there was a very famous singer, uh, Stevie Wonder. I forgot what the song was, but it was something about uh, building sandcastles of love. And the reason he did that was because that those were uh, temporary boundaries that could be broken down with certain conditions. And that's what you did there. So that's really yeah. amazing. Now, here comes a hard hitting question. This is your Barbara Walters question, because that right there was just the middle. That was just to get you a little okay. comfortable because you see yourself. You've opened up in a different manner now. Correct. It, it's some sense of some things that flared up that you haven't thought about. You didn't think about yesterday, at least. So yeah. you went through that. You came back, but you plateaued somewhere. This plateauing thing is you get to a certain complacency, you get happy, right? 
when did you plateau after this? Because we always want to go keep going up, but sometimes we just plateau and we just get into not a normalcy. That's not what I'm saying, but we get very complacent with how we are. And then something else just erupts. And then we get back on that high horse again and keep going up. So when did you plateau? So after my divorce to him, this was March, 2019, I ended up, dedicating myself pretty heavily to Instagram journey to Yahweh and manifesting ended up manifesting this home that I'm living in the land and everything that I have and didn't realize how big or how strong of a manifester I was. So trust me, I was like, Oh my God, this happened. Let's keep going. So then I kept meditating and sit outside of the bushes. I've got a beautiful yard and I would meditate body to ground. So I would make sure that I was physically touching the earth in order to um, allow that energetic healing, releasing of the toxins, you know, the toxic energies, because it's a great grounder. And then allowing myself to just be in nature. It's a healer. I began to um, manifest and see this life that I wanted. Okay. The life that I wanted and still want and believe that is happening even now, because we're living it out, uh, is speaking. I want to be, and I know I will be, a motivational speaker. I see myself speaking to large masses, the same story that I'm giving to you right now. I want to shift an entire room. I thrive on that high of just knowing that people are impacted, and it's impact by love. So my high, I was writing notes. Man, I don't even know where that notebook is right now. I wish I could read on. Maybe I'll send you pictures after this. But the notes that I had, just reading the notes would just give you this. Like, I want to see this happen because I wrote out how I saw the room, how I, I saw the people and what I would say. I ended up being so passionate that I was contacting, um, homeless shelters, churches, big name speakers uh, down here where I live, um, the VA hospital, because that's, I'm a veteran. So I felt like that was a great place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I asked a friend to help me get onto a radio station. Everything fell through. Either I wasn't a Christian, so I wasn't allowed to go to the churches. I wasn't allowed to go to the homeless shelters because uh, I wasn't teaching Bible or biblical support of Jesus and how he pulls them from depths with them at dogging. It's just, there's more to it than just that. And um, I wasn't allowed to go to the VA shelter or the VA hospital because I wasn't a, a veteran working there. And then the lady that was big name just told me, no, sorry, hope you have great ventures somewhere else. And then the radio station was falling off the planet. So, so I lost all of that energy, that defeat and just kind of went downhill and quit. I quit. And it wasn't like in a day. It's just, I felt defeated over time and I just like put it aside. Um, and it wasn't until January of this year, 2021, that I finally picked it all back up because I started creating my program and coaching and teaching and this fire. So each time that fire comes back, like you said, I have realized that all of that information I was cramming into my head and my soul had time to settle and subconsciously get worked out and, and figured out that when I came back, I came back stronger came back with more information, came back with new visions and a strength that I didn't have two years ago. Each step, it's like you you get up here, you wait, and then whoop, you take another step and you wait. And it's just amazing watching. So that plateau came from defeat, but I had so much to learn. 
so much to go through the next two years, year and a half. Because that was August 2019 till January 2021. So yeah, year and a half um, that I just kind of went hibernating. Experiencing life, made changes, healed myself, did a lot of healing. Talk about working on yourself as a healer. That is a challenge. Because I really got to get real. How do I really feel? Do I really want to admit this? (laughs) (laughs) And then to be where I'm at today. So I'm manifesting these speaking um, offers and um, situations, manifesting, working with people, getting my story out in a loving way, in a supportive way, and just being real. Like, I'm not any better than you. I just got a different pathway that I'm taking to my destination. You decided to go over here and I decided to take every rock wall and drop off cliff. I mean, I'm from West West Virginia. I'm already on top of the rocks. <laughs> and listen, I want And listen, I want to thank you real fast because uh the 2020 questions that I do, they're hard. Cuz they make you, they challenge you a little bit cuz I seen you you've moved from different places and your mannerisms changed a little bit. And only I can see the video, but I can tell and I see that you you lift weight off your chest all the time, but you lifted a lot of weight off you for some reason. I don't know why you had it on you, but you had it and you lifted that. So I want to thank you. Well, you're welcome. Um, I, I want to be as raw and open and real with people that I'm not a spiritual um, evangelist or something. I, I'm real and I've had a pro- I've had these things. I've married and divorced twice. I, I just got custody of my children um, two weeks ago and not from anything that I've ever done, but because I felt that it was time for me to fight for them to come back to live with me. And they were never taken. It was, I gave them up because I knew they had a better life elsewhere. When I got myself figured out in my life, my, my house and my job, then I felt like I can take them. And that was something I manifested. So I'm real. I understand the heartaches, the pains, the abuse, the mental things that you have to go through. I mean, at one point I I broke down and went to the, the VA hospital for like four days because I just, I wanted to die. I was just done was tired, was exhausted. I hated all of the pain and shit that was going around me. And when you talk about those things that you've overcome, you don't realize how much you've overcome. And that's why a little bit of sadness I feel comes in. I'm like, wow, that's where I was at one point. And I think that's what you were picking up about my ex-husband. It's just, I was, that was a hard time, man. It was a hard time. But I, I understand when people talk to me, I'm like, I can empathize. Cause I, I did go through it and you truly can trust me that when I say I healed myself, that you can work with me and I can show you how to heal yourself. Okay. So Tesla faith, I want to thank you so much for being on West Virginia and complex. This has been amazing. Um, in the near future, when the next book comes out or whenever you just have some free time, I would like to have you back on the show again for the simple fact you're a gift. You're an entity. Um, the testament that I like to give to people when this is not religious or anything, it's just something that I say uh, about people is a, a talent, a gift, whatever you want to call yourself, that trait. And the reason I call it a trait is because it was something that was conjured up and created inside you before you got here. Because of the struggles, because of the adversity in losing your name, the turmoil from a a childhood that wasn't your childhood, a a life that wasn't yours until you were in your 20s. That's a hard deal to go through. To come out of that hole 
as the person that you want to be, the person that you had to be, the person that you were going to become. That's amazing to do that because there's people that live from one to 78 or one to 87 and don't figure out who they are until the last three seconds before they die. Yeah. And that's a harsh truth. That's a reality that people fail to realize. Some people can, can take this word conformity and they can live it. You can't live that. And that's what makes you special that you won't conform. You will not confine yourself to any shackles, chains, or anything that anyone tried to do to you or society tried to do to you. With that being said, being strong, being a woman, none of that, the, the, the point of being strong is what matters. The uh, sexual identity doesn't matter there uh, or gender identity. It's that you didn't settle on your laurels. You didn't yeah. accept an answer. That was not your answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that's why I always felt like I wasn't worthy of love because I wasn't conforming. You're allowed to be loved for just who you are. And that's all that matters. Once you finally find that strength and that confidence in your identity and who you are and who you're supposed to be, there is no reason for you to ever feel less than anything. I don't care what you claim. You are simply loved unconditionally for who you are. And you were created that way before you came here. So why all of a sudden do you feel like you're suddenly not worthy? Well, you picked all of those things before you came. But you know, you, you, you what? Mm, I'm sorry. I just, uh, once I had to go through all of that, I realized like I, I am completely loved without having to work for it or conform to your ideas of love or right. be, you know what I mean? It even goes to the, the physical standards here on earth now. And one thing that's also great here is that one word that I like that didn't come up in this conversation at all. It's a powerful world that people misconstrue and you have not said this at all. And this is why you're really strong because throughout everything you've done, you never looked for respect hmm. because people that look for respect are looking for an attention that they'll never receive. Yes. Until they give it to themselves because they believe they deserve it. Right. So once you became self-respecting, the respect has come around you. You didn't have oh, yeah. to work for it. You didn't have to, because respect is something that you don't gain or earn. It's just there. The only thing you can do is lose it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Exactly. So I want to, I want, so I want to thank you for that. I know you're fine. I want to thank you for that because like I said, it's so many different things on the mental level, physiological level that people don't understand when it comes to your trait or traits and I always as an adult I had to learn also that you have to be open because of, like we said that institution of thought that we grew up with confines people it makes people feel that there's only a b and c and d you can't go you can't leave d and go straight to j and then go to z and then come back to a and then go from a to z skipping everything else which you can and which you have done so I'm telling you that is your testimony you are beyond an adjective. You don't have to have a word described you because the description that you have is inside you. You know it. You live it. You breathe it. You eat it. You stay up with it late at night sometimes. Yep. <laughs> so, so from everyone, from me to the audience, and from just getting to know you tonight, I want to tell you thank you because you're showing people that they can love themselves and they can go on throughout the world without conformity. And that's a hard thing to do. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you seeing that. That really proves to me that that's who I am. You know, you're a complete stranger and you pick up that. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So once again, Tesla, can you do a shameless plug and tell everybody where they can reach you at before we get off the air? Yes. There are a few different places. First off Instagram, you will be able to communicate with me at any time of the day. There is no way that I block anybody. Um, Instagram journey dot two to dot Yahweh. And then my website, www.journey to Yahweh, no dots or dashes.com. You'll find everything. You'll find the links to all the social media from there. And then my YouTube think align manifest, think it, align yourself and manifest it into your life. I thought it fit. (laughs) (laughs) So once again, I want to thank you for being a guest on West Virginia Uncommonplace. And like always, we're about to sign off. But before we do, there's one special thing. Everyone, everyone has this in their life. We do everything alone most of the time. Self-healing, blah, 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 blah. But there was someone, there was something, something that was around the corner that helped you get to where you are. Just something. It could have been a book. It could have been a wall that you leaned on. Who are you going to give your shout out to? Because I've had people, they give a shout out to themselves. Sometimes they give it to a family member or they just give it to their life. Because sometimes that story that you don't write and don't tell people see, and that's the thing that brought you to where you are today. So who's your shout out? Uh, (laughs) Well, one, one is not human. I would have to say my guardian angel, Isaac, because he's literally been there since day one. I just recently decided to start listening to him and my children, because I feel my children, Wyatt and Elizabeth, grounded me enough that I did not want to leave this world. I did not want to commit suicide. I wanted to live my life and to teach them the life that they are deserving of having and that I didn't realize until an adult. So really my kids and my guardian angel. <laughs> okay. And once again, Tesla, I want to thank you for being on West Virginia and commonplace and to all the listeners. Tesla has very many different ventures going on. Jump on over to her Instagram, light it on fire and get in a conversation with her and find out the things and the questions that you want to know about your life. She's here to help you. So once again, signing off, everybody have a good evening.